So welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the Agents of Hell podcast. And today, folks, we have our biggest interview to date with the man, the myth, the legend, Mr. Cody McBroom, the CEO of the Tailored Coaching Method. He's got an app, the Tailored Trainer. He has his own podcast, formerly the Boom Boom Performance Podcast. It's now the Tailored Life Podcast. He runs his own mentorship. And most importantly, he is a father and a husband. You're a, you're a busy man, Cody. You're a very, very busy man. I am, man. I am. Thank you for that intro. That's humbling. Um, I better crush the podcast with that. With that <laughs> intro, man. <laughs> Thank you, dude. Well, yeah, Cody, you, um, I, I first kind of came to know about you through a podcast episode that you did with the Jordan side. I think this episode must have been like 18 months ago now. But uh, I remember just listening to it and I was talking about like strength training and uh, a bunch of other things and just listening to it and going like, oh, I need to need to look this guy up and find you on Instagram. Really like the kind of the stuff you were kind of putting out there and went through your your stuff. But I think the most interesting thing I found about you was you started in this industry very early compared to a lot of people. Like it's not kind of a thing. I don't know about in America, but in Ireland being a PT or a coach isn't something that kind of we get told about in school. It's not something people kind of, you know, 15, 16 year olds kind of go, yeah, I'm going to be a work in a gym or be a coach. But you start, I think you started when you were 18, 17, yep. 18. Yep. 18 years old. Like how, yeah. how did that kind of come about? Yeah. So it's, I would say it's similar here. It's not really, it's not a, it's not a thing. A lot of people aspire to be, you know, because I mean, for one, Nowadays, things are a little bit different, but back then, saying you wanted to be a trainer was also saying you didn't really want to be financially secure or well off <laughs> to most yeah. people. So, you know, truth be told, I didn't even step foot in the gym until I graduated high school. So, like, I just, that was just never my thing. I, I played soccer enough to be, I would say, healthy but not necessarily like abnormally fit or anything like that. And uh, after high school, I graduated at 17. Uh, you know, some friends went to college, some friends were getting in trouble. I was kind of in this state of just being confused on what I wanted to do. So my dad sent me to community college for business because he was in the oil industry and he was like, you know, people always need oil. You don't know what the hell you want to do. You're going to go to school for business. You're going to sell oil. There you go. You know, you can talk and that's all you need to do. You're, you're a salesman. I was like, all right, well, I don't have any plans. So let's do it. So I go and then I, I got interested in training just because, you know, I had uh, two tears in my, my left knee at that point. I've had two surgeries total. Uh, so I tore it a third time. The third time I had surgery again. Um, but man, I was just like, man, I just want to rehab my knee. I want to like feel better. I'm tired of being a little overweight and I'm starting to look at girls more and more seriously. And, and you know, I want to do something cool with my body. I just wanted to train. I wanted to be better skateboarding, wanted to be better at soccer, all that stuff. And I had nothing better to do. So I just started getting to the gym and I fell in love with it, man. And I actually started in the community college gym because it was free. It was like this whole dungeon. And, uh, they, there's this dude that walked in one day and he was just like, I was wearing a brace and I'm doing knee extensions, leg extensions. And he's like, you know, it's, there's probably better exercises, more functional exercises you could do to, to like rehab that. And I was kind of just looked at him as ignorant. I might've been I think I, was, no, I just turned 18. So I was like really young, 18 year old. And I just looked at him and I was just like, all right, bro, whatever. Because he was older, you know, <laughs> yeah. probably in his late 50s. He wasn't by any means like in good shape. And uh, he was like, well, you know, I, I run the, the fitness program here. If you ever have any questions or want to learn, just pop in my class. I'm in building 2 whatever. Other guy I did and he left. Weeks go by and it, it kind of just, I like kept thinking about it. And I was sitting in class one day in business 101. And I, and, and I show you now, I never forget this. I, I asked the question, 
and it was introduction to business ethics or something like that. How many businesses have you owned to the professor? Zero. And I just, I don't know. It rubbed me wrong. It's like if I was training you and you're like, dude, how many times you worked out? And I was like, oh, I haven't, but I've read a lot about it. You know, it's like, get the fuck out of here. So I literally stood up and left because I was like, no, I, I just can't do this. You know, so I left and I was walking to my car, see that building. I was like, you know, I'm going to pop in this guy's class. What else do I got to do? Skipping the rest of the day of school, popped in and they were, it, the class ended up being, uh, it was called functional movement. Um, and it, it was like, there was a picture of a baby in a quadruped position on the projector screen with all these arrows and it was pointing to the different positions and motor patterns and all this shit. And I was just like, whoa, like this is not training. Like I thought training would be, you know, I'm thinking bodybuilding. That's all I yeah. at that point. And so I, uh, so I stuck around and I talked to him and uh, I went home and I was like, dad, I think I want to be a trainer. I'm going to, you know, change my degrees. I want to, I want to pursue this. And he's like, hell no, you've been in the gym <laughs> for like, <laughs> you've been in the gym for a couple months. Get the fuck out of here. I'm not, you know, I'm not, I'm not changing your pain for that, which rightfully so. Yeah. But oh uh, yeah, he, I had, yeah, I remember know, that. Me being who I am, I went to school the next day, uh, got the paperwork for it, forged my dad's signature, brought it back <laughs> to the counselor, changed my degrees. Months later, I told my dad when I had to sign up for new classes and stuff. And uh, but man, it changed my life. I'm so thankful I did that because it turns out the guy that ran that class was friends with Charlie Weingroff, Greg Cook, Michael Boyle, uh, Dan John, like all the legends in, yeah. in the strength world back then. Um, he introduced me to all these people. He was he previously had worked with, um, I think, Jerry Rice at one point. He worked with some of the Olympic swimmers. He, I mean, he's just done so much. And I was just like, it was one of those things where you see a guy and you're like, okay, whatever. And then you Google him and you're like, holy shit, this is that guy because social media is not a thing. Yeah. And uh Funny enough, I had a soccer coach that was the same way. What wasn't a very good coach, and nobody thought much of him. One one of our players Googled him, and he was once called the Pele of America. He was on the USA team, and he was phenomenal. His name was Tony Crudo, um, and we were just like, "Yo, Tony, what? This is you?" And he's like, "Yeah, yeah, I don't like talk about my past." And I'm like, "You're a teacher at a little school in this town now. Like, what the hell?" But uh, but long story short, man, I fell in love with training, and I just dove into it, man. So I I I started training people for free at the college. I started training my friends for free at the gym. I interned under the, the teacher at his gym. And then I did an internship at the school. And then I did an internship at a strength facility, which I later got hired on as a coach. And I trained people there for six and a half years while writing blogs and creating content, just trying to put free information out there. Um, and in 2017, I found out I was going to have a daughter. And that's when I was like, dude, I, this is my chance to try to build my own thing. So I quit the gym, gave all my clients away and started from scratch on my online business. And from 2017 till now, it's just been a hustle and just building and just trying to reach more people. But that's, I mean, that's in a nutshell, how it, the snowball effect really happened. That was actually one of the most interesting things I found about you was when just through like listening to your podcasts and the, the seeing the stuff you put out on Instagram and kind of the way you talked about different things was you, you kind of almost are at that kind of like, I suppose, bridge between the old and the new school of, I suppose, kind of health and fitness. Like you kind of started back before, obviously like social media was there, like blogging was such a big thing. Like I did, when I did, um, went to college for the brief time I did back in the day, I did journalism. So like I did loads of stuff. Like I worked for a few different websites, worked in papers, all that sort of stuff. So like writing was so big. And then as I kind of like came on a little bit more things like podcasts video all that sort of stuff like this was around the time when twitter started blowing up as well 
but like you kind of came from blogging training the gym there was no real like it was back you know like the scott herman videos on youtube type stuff to now yeah. especially now where with the the global pandemic everything has gone online but you kind of got in there that nice little early part beforehand when online training wasn't really that big a thing how did you find that kind of like crossover from working in a gym six and a half years working one-on-one with people to bringing that all online into the tailored coaching method yeah man i think it's actually this is crazy this is this is where you put something out into the universe into existence and you're just patient as fuck until it happens. As crazy as that sounds, because when I was 18 years old, that I'll never forget this, I did the interview for my internship. There's, it was a really popular strength gym, bigger ground, ran by Luca Hosvar, really well-known strength coach. And yeah, I was not the only person in applying for this intern. They were going to choose three people. Um, they did choose three people. One was just on their summer from college. One ended up not sticking around, and I was the only one that got hired on. But there was multiple people outside of the guys that they chose to intern, right? wearing gym clothes what else would you wear you go to the gym i wore a fucking suit i was like <laughs> yeah. it was probably the realistic thing i can't remember it was probably like my dad's suit or something i didn't notice yeah right but uh <laughs> but i showed up wearing nice like like slacks button-up tie i was like i'm gonna make like this is the thing and he he asked me like what is your long-term plan like what do you want to do and i was like i want i have a blog i was already writing i was like i have a blog and i write for the school newspaper I want my blog to make money. I want to travel and I want to like just create fitness stuff online. And he was like, well, how are you going to make money? And I was like, I don't know. I, I see Jason Frugia and Nate Green doing something online. Those are like my two guys that I like looked at. And I was just like, I don't know what they do, but they do something. And he, he literally looked at me and goes, all right, well, train people for five years, get this internship. You crush it. We'll hire you. Train people for five years every single day. You'll learn enough to earn the right to do things online. I was like, all right. Six and a half years later, I, I went for it all in, right? I was coaching some people online before the six and a half years mark, but not enough to sustain a career yeah. or like financial stability. But but I took that to heart, man. And the truth is, I didn't know what online coaching was. I just knew that there was going to be something there. The online platform was growing. Blogs were coming more and more popular. You know, before then, MySpace was big, but Facebook was on the rise. Like I knew something was going to happen. And, uh, and then a few years later, I did a competition uh, and I hired a bodybuilding prep coach. Those were the only guys doing online coaching. You would buy a 12 week prep. They would put you through a crash diet. You'd get shredded. Most likely you gained a bunch of weight afterwards. Cause you did not reverse diet. Like <laughs> I did, but, uh, but I went through that and that got me really intrigued in nutrition because I'm like, damn, like, you know, I was before then I just do this, just training. I don't like, I eat well. But I was like, I just want to train. I just want to train, 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 train. That's all I care about. Then I did this, and he introduced me to macros and meal plan, and I got so peeled. I was like, there's something here, you know, and I'm in a gym with high-paying clients, and nobody does nutrition. Let me set myself apart. When got certified, started doing that stuff so I could be the only nutritionist in the facility who was also doing training. But I noticed that, you know, this guy lived in California and I started joining the bodybuilding.com forums and the teen nation forums. And I would see these other bodybuilding coaches giving advice and coaching people through forums and on an email and stuff like that. But it was basically strictly bodybuilding prep nutrition. But again, my mind was like, something's here, you know, something's going to happen. And I just kind of kept that in my head of like, I'm going to do that in some capacity. Like this is going to turn into something. So Dude, for those six years, it was literally just like, I'm going to write a blog every single week. 
uh, when Facebook came out, I was writing Facebook posts and putting Facebook videos of me doing like ab circuits and pull up variations, just whatever I could every single day, something every single day. Then Instagram came out. I was like, all right, this is another blog for me. Post yeah. every day of what I can. And it was just like, just free content, free content, free content, free content until a point where, you know, finally somebody from New York was, she was like a Broadway actress. And she was like, Hey, I follow all your guys' stuff. I want you to program for me. I was like, Oh, I live in Seattle. So sorry, but thank you. That's like an honor. She's like, well, can you just send me programs? I'll PayPal you. I was like, well, shit. Yeah, I can do that. <laughs> Charged next to nothing, started programming. And then another person did that. And then it was like, okay, like maybe there's something here, you know? So I, I how it came about is kind of hard to say because it was like, it definitely was like a, it was a gradual thing. But the truth is, is how this whole entire online fitness company journey thing started for me was walking into that office, applying for an internship and saying like, this is what I'm going to do someday. And him looking at me and saying like, basically you want the chops to be able to do that, spend time in the gym, work with real people and you will earn the right to do that. And then I spent six and a half years doing it. And, uh, and, and I never forget saying that thing and as an 18 year old kid somebody saying do it for five years and then you can you know like that's a long time you know yeah. part of my cocky ass was probably like okay dude i'll be there <laughs> too you know but but you realize when you start diving in the strength world i mean i'm still learning shit today you know there's just yeah. so much to learn and i think i'm glad i came in at the time i did because a lot of the people i hang with and i know that are around my age man some of them don't even know these people these names i dropped you know what I mean? And I yeah. think that that's sad because one, those are the people that started this shit, right? The program design fundamentals, like they started this shit. Some of them have Instagram and they have a ton of followers because, you know, Louis Simmons gets an Instagram and he'll gain thousands, a hundred thousand followers yeah. in a day because everybody knows who he is and they'll jump on it. He doesn't have to create content to build it. But there's other guys who don't understand marketing and don't understand social media content and they can't build the following that they deserve because they just that's just not their thing and it's sad because they're the people like man I interviewed uh Dr. Joe Klimzenski just recently on my podcast and I was like dude this is crazy you invented flexible dieting like literally he literally invented flexible dieting there's people like who is this guy and I'm yeah. like he's the guy that gave you your job because <laughs> you wouldn't be coaching macros and shit if it wasn't for him. It's crazy to think about, but I'm blessed that I came into the industry at the time I did with mentors who were, you know, 10, 20, 30 years older than me. And they were like, Hey, like young gun, come with me to this event, read this book, meet this guy, watch this workshop, you know, check out this, this training DVD. It was like back then. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And, uh, and I was able to learn from these people that were, that were old school, that they were the, they were the pioneers, you know what I mean? And I took a lot away from that. And I think it's, I think it's been helpful for me because it, it gives me a good foundation, but I'm, but I joined young enough and I'm around a young enough crowd now that I understand how to play the new game. Yeah. My it's, it's one of those things like you working in a gym for six and a half years. Like I came, I finished my PT qualifications and came out to work as a PT in March of 2020. So I literally have four days on the gym floor before Corona completely shut Ireland uh, down and gyms haven't properly been back open since. So I've literally had four days of on the gym floor experience. Like, and it's one of these things where I, no matter what happens, I could like something could happen tomorrow where for whatever reason I could get a hundred clients sign up with me and that wouldn't make a difference to me. I still want to go work on a gym floor to try and hone my craft. But I do see a lot of, 
people now who I nearly think are just taking that step a bit too quickly to go fully online without spending. And I, I don't think it's a, like, it's not as if it's a, a you know, a purgatory that you have to work on the gym floor for X amount of time before you can go online. But I just think working on a gym floor surely can only make you a better online coach. Like there can't be any situation where that makes you worse at your job. What would you yeah. kind of say to people like that who, maybe make that leap just a little bit too soon. Yeah. I mean, I say exactly what you said. It's been harder for me with COVID to answer that question because I get it all the time. I get questions from people all the time, younger trainers, like what should my next step be? Uh, I want to, I want to do online coaching, which I do now. And my answer has always been go train people in person. Like that's just always been my answer. And now they're like, I can't, should I just wait? And I'm like, well, you definitely shouldn't wait because nobody gets shit out of waiting, like take action on something. Um, so to me, it's like, you know, in these times, like you have to find a way to experiment. So it's usually going to come from one of two things. One, hire a coach, hire somebody to come in and take over your training and or nutrition. So you can feel what it feels like and see what it is like for them to coach you. And then the other side of it is like, okay, gyms are closed. You have a garage gym. Cool. Who can you invite over that will train with you with a mask on or who just doesn't give shit and will just train with you in the same room because they're not worried about it, whatever, you know, um, that work. Dude, I train my brother-in-law and a family friend five days a week today. Like, obviously I don't charge my brother-in-law, but <laughs> you know, he came to me and he's like, man, like, you know, I want to, I want to lose weight. I want to get strong. Like I just, you know, I, I, he, he just, just a workaholic and um, you know, he, he doesn't party or anything anymore. So he's just like, I just need to have like a productive thing to do. And I was like, look, dude, if you go all in, like, if you just like really follow what I say, if you show up here Monday through Friday and you just do the work with me, I'm going to train with you, but you just do what it is you got to do, dude, I'll, I'll coach you 100%. I'll give you full access to me and everything. And he was like, I'm all in. Dude's lost like 40 pounds while PRing every leg. He's a big dude. So it's like, I mean, he benched 365 recently, deadlift over 500. Like, I mean, he's, he's a monster. He's a burly, like manual labor type of dude. So he was already strong. Yeah. So now throwing around 500 on the deadlift ain't nothing to sniff that like. Wow. Yeah. While losing weight. So he, so he's been crushing it, but, but like, it's funny because because my wife was here working out with me just the other day and she said she was like sometimes it's hard because I can feel you watching me and I and like I worry about you judging judging me and I'm like first of all I never judge my, my like, girlfriend says the exact same thing she'd be like working working out beside me when I'm like working away and I'd like glance over and she's like stop looking at me if you, it, yeah. you, you're judging me it's like no I'm not yeah it's my yeah. job yeah. Like. it's exactly so like and that's what I said to her too I was like like I, I literally can't be in the same room. Like I'll stop my set. If I see somebody like and rack it and walk over to our family friend that trains with us too. And he's doing the same thing that basically my brother-in-law did just, he's coming on a little bit later and I'll break down his form. I'll tweak, I'll pull shoulder, like, get him in the right position. I'll go finish my set after I just, yeah. it's something it's, I'm a coach. I can't help it. Right. But, but the point is, is I know as well that that shit sharpens my blade. Right. And I think that if I'm writing programs in the app, I'm writing an ebook, I'm writing a newsletter, I'm creating an Instagram post, I'm writing like workouts for clients. I have clients who are on TV now. Their job depends on not getting injured and looking their best. So if I don't put the right cues inside their notes for them to execute it properly, then 
I'm not doing my job, you know? Yeah. So for me, it's always like, how can I sharpen my blade? So for the people out there, they're like, how do I make that leap? Or am I making that leap too soon? If you can't because of COVID, if you can't go train people in person, what you need to do is you need to find a way to sharpen your blade, train your family, friend, train your, your family, train your friends, train yourself, hire a coach, do something to where you're practicing and implementing on top of studying and doing all those things. Because the truth is, is you can read all that you need to read and you can understand that a goblet squat should be put here in the program and should be performed in this rep range with this intensity and this amount of volume and all the program design details. But how do you tell that person to do it properly? How do you get that person to rip apart the floor and create external rotation in their hip and really like sit into a stable position at the bottom of that squat? You don't know unless you've talked to somebody and said weird things to get that to click. Like I was talking about this on a podcast the other day. I, I used to tell people when they were squatting, like monkey feet, <laughs> What monkey feet. But if I get them to think about grabbing the floor, their hips lock in, right? They yeah. grip the floor and now all of a sudden they're kind of corkscrewing it and their hips actually <laughs> rotate a little bit. They open their knees and they just sit so pretty into that squat, right? Um, and this one's going to sound weird, but I remember trying to teach people on a dead buck. Like I couldn't get them to breathe properly. And I was like, dude, breathe through your balls, right? Weirdest thing to say, but I felt comfortable with the that's, that's the clip. That's the clip of the podcast there. It's just going to be just yeah. that. Just breathe through your balls. Boom. There you go. Dude, light bulb. Perfect <laughs> head bug. Perfect execution. And, you know, a lot of breathing patterns are a way to get rid of somebody's low, low back pain. So when I coach somebody through this and then weeks later, they're like, dude, my back does not hurt. And then weeks later, they're deadlifting again. Yeah. Dude, I just, like I saved their, their training. I saved their body. They're so happy. But I wouldn't know how to do that unless I did the work in person, right? Now, granted, it's harder to write breathe through balls on a program online if people understand <laughs> what you're talking about. So you have to have a good relationship with the client. However, like it's, it's just the, it's, it's the, the principle I'm talking about here is like, you really do need that experience. So I think you got to do whatever you can. You, you just can't skip that step. Yeah. It's like the biggest thing, period. Yeah, it's, it's, it's not really something you can do. Just, just kind of go, right, I'm going to pitch up as an online coach, sell it, and then boom, suddenly you're there. Like, there, there does have to be that thing. And once all this ends, I, I just can't wait to get back in the gym floor and just start training people and telling people to breathe through their balls. But that, yeah, brings, that brings me on to the bit now of the podcast, which is the part I'm probably most excited about, and that's just going to be talking about all the different ways of training. Like, I know you're a big fan of conjugate training methods. I know you're a big fan of EDTs over... Uh, AMRAPs and, and things like that but the big one that I kind of noticed with a lot of people and it actually I wasn't even going to talk to you about this it only clicked when I was listening to one of your podcasts the other day kind of like going back through some of your stuff just picking up on different questions I could ask you but it's RPE and RIR and uh, about how people just kind of don't really realize how strong they are and I don't want to make this sound like it's I'm, I'm being misogynistic here or anything, but it, it does always seem to be women just don't realize how strong they actually are. Like men I've always noticed, or at least with the ones that I've trained and worked with, kind of have almost overestimate how strong they are or overestimate how much they can do. Whereas like, I think it, I, I'm almost certain it was you who was telling the story, but it was like you were, you walked in and someone was training and they were talking during an RDL or a single leg RDL or something. And you were like, you, you, you shouldn't be able to do this. Like throw yeah. more on it, like more, more weight. Like you can't, but it's, it's that thing. Like I'd write on a program or say to someone like, right, we're going to do three by eight of a, of a bench press with two or I or, and they're like, all right, how do I figure that out? And I was like, right, well, what do you reckon your 10 rep maxes? And they'll go, oh, 50 kilos. 
So we'll throw that on and I'm like, right, just go to failure. And boom, they get like 16 reps. I'm like, well, there you go. Like you've never actually gone to failure because you're, you're never going to think you can lift as heavy yeah. as you can actually think. It's actually getting there. Yeah. Yeah. This is, uh, and that was me that told that story um, about the RDL. I think that there's a few things here. Like number one, you, you hit the nail on that. You have to go to failure in order to understand how to use RPE and RIR. But you know, if we look at this is it's, it's actually really funny that we're talking about this because I literally just typed up a post about this <laughs> that's going to go out probably tomorrow as we're recording this. But it was talking about, you know, like there's certain principles. And at the end of the day, like in life, I said, effort is the most important key to results, success, right? It's, you know, when I go home to be with my daughter and she wants to play or she wants to dress up as the frozen characters or she wants to draw whatever she wants to do. I have to put my full effort into whatever imaginary thing she's trying to do. That's the only way she's going to get what she needs out of it. And that's how I'm going to be a successful father. My relationship, same thing. My business, same thing. This podcast, same thing. It's about being present and putting your forth your full effort. But with training, it's also proven by science, right? And, and we're not talking about, and this is where people have to understand there's a difference between intensity and effort when it comes to science. Intensity yeah. is technically the load on the bar. Effort is how hard you are personally pushing on that set or rep. Now, what they have found in research is that you have to be within three RIR or seven RPE if we're looking at them in an inverse. And I kind of selectively choose things, choose the RPE or RIR depending on who I'm working with and what I'm doing. Like a jam ball slam, I'm probably not going to put a three or a two RIR because you could probably do 12 more with the weight I want you to use, but I want your effort to be at a 10 RPE. That doesn't mean you yeah. have zero left in the tank. It means you're being explosive, right? So there's, there's time and place for everything. Now, on a bench press, I like using RIR because it's like, hey, I want you to literally have one rep in the tank. But I don't think people truly understand what one rep in the tank is. It's gun to your head, as crazy and, and as psychotic as that sounds, gun to your head, one rep in the tank. You know, I remember being taught this and somebody was like, they have your family and a gun. <laughs> Nine RPE, go. You know what I mean? Like, okay, shit, you know? So yeah. how do we learn how to do this, right? Science shows that we got to be within three RPE or three RIR, which basically means we have to be within three reps of complete failure. That proximity has to be there, complete failure, in order to maximally stimulate muscle and strength. So that means we have to push ourselves beyond a certain point that we're comfortable with in order to gauge what that even is, right? So how to do this safely is step one. Put your body weight on a bar, on a trap bar, something really safe. Do as many reps as you possibly can take an AMRAP. You know what I mean? Like that's, that's a simple way to do it or do what you said, pick your 10 rep max and have a spotter on the bench and do as many reps as you can see what you get. They did a research study on that exact thing. And the average rep range was 16. The highest was 26 and the lowest was nine. So one person got real close and they got one rep shy. So they overestimated everybody else underestimated between Imagine the dude who got 27. So, like, like that's insane. But well, it just so, it so shows it so much like as well, doesn't exactly. it? That just you, you got to have a conscious thought of it's crazy. No, and that and, and that's the thing. You get I think you gotta as a as somebody who doesn't fully so as you train and as you go to failure, as you don't go to failure, as you do sessions over time, you gain a level of body awareness that allows you to kind of intuitively gauge this proximity to failure. And that's how you learn how to use RPE. It's experience in the gym. However, I think there is a place for going to complete failure in order to see what that is like from a feeling perspective. Like the other day on my program, there was, there was a drop set and, and my coach actually called it a death set. So it was like, Oh no, you're going all the way, but it's, 
So I don't have a hack squat. So we made makeshift a hack squat. I brought the the trap bar that doesn't have the front side. It's like just the rear. So yeah. trap bar around sissy squat machine. Um, loaded it up and we'd go, you know, 10 reps, peel plate, 10 reps, peel plate, body weight, step away, air squats. Like it's just murderous, right? Now, here's the thing. I probably I may have got more benefit out of doing like taking that apart into singular sets, resting three minutes between loading it, getting more volume. It's just not as fun. Like you just no, got to do that. It's shit fucking fun. Yeah. It's just End fun. End of the day. Like it's fun. And that keeps you in the gym. Right. And, and the other side of that is, is the feeling I had in my legs when I crawled away from that sissy squat machine reminded me what failure is like. Right. And I think that's an important thing for people to do. Pick a safe exercise. I'm not going to hurt myself on a sissy squat machine. It's not. Like, especially with trap bar. Worst case, I just stop squatting and kind of sit down. <laughs> it's like, so do that so you can understand the feeling. And that's how you ultimately learn. And I think you should film your, your sessions. Cause I, we did a, we were lifting to a one rep max not long ago, me and my brother-in-law and we we're squatting and I hit 375, which I've had two knee surgeries. So for me, that's like, and back issues. Like that's like, I was crushing it. And I remember in the video, I said, dude, that was like, 0.5 maybe RIR like I did like that was it that was the one like and and I felt like it I watched the video I had two two or three reps in the tank yeah like <laughs> uh. pop like but seeing the video made me go whoa okay actually like it felt like I was moving like molasses but I actually moved pretty damn quick like it was I was stable I was tall like so that taught me to watch the videos in order to have more confidence going under the bar yeah I probably could have yeah. hit 400 if I would have like actually known that before, that was the first time I filmed my one rep max squat in years. So for people listening that don't understand this idea, number one, go to failure. Number two, try filming yourself so you can judge your own RPE and RIR after the fact, because I think that teaches you a lot. And ultimately you'll, you'll start to gain body awareness over time, but effort's the key. You know, you can take two programs and uh, one can be, and this actually happens in bodybuilding all the time you see people that you're like, their program is not optimal. Their frequency is shit. They train each muscle group once a week. Like they're using like drop sets, all, all this stuff. That's just not back. They're just, it's not science-based, not evidence-based. Why are they so jacked? Why do they keep winning? They push themselves harder than you. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and, and I do see this most in women. Um, I've seen more men get injured from training too heavy because that's, it's just the ego, right? We, we put too much on the bar, but I think more than that, it still happens to men too. I think like, I do see it more in women, but I still see that they don't go far enough or hard enough in men than I do going too hard. Um, you know, and I think that maybe that's because the, the clientele we work with aren't always coaches and trainers. And usually those are the people that are pushing the boundaries a little bit more so than others. But, um, but I've just seen so many women that like, I've had this conversation a million times. Like, okay, like what, what were you dumbbell pressing? And they're like 30 pounds. I'm like, okay, cool. What did you, what did you do for the dumbbell one on row? 30 pounds. What? Yeah. Like, oh, 60. Like you can, you can double your flat bench press dumbbell, especially as a female, you can double that for your row, right? Maybe it's not even double, maybe just add 25%. But I know for a fact that you can row more than you can dumbbell press. I can promise you that. So, but that's something where, coaching comes into play, right? Like you have to ask questions. You have to see how they feel. You have to push them, encourage them, empower them to be stronger and do those things. Cause ultimately they can, they just, they just haven't tried yet. And you have to be okay with attempting 
failure. Yeah. You know, even the other day I was bench pressing and it was just me and my wife and my daughter here on a Saturday. We lived together. And uh, I mean, dude, my last rep was, I mean, it was fucking grindy. And uh, I could see my wife kind of feel her watching me kind of like, oh shit. Like, cause she's like thinking I can't spot him on that. <laughs> there's 200 some pounds in the bar. It's just like fucking fifth rep is just getting up there and I get it. And I stand up and she was like, how many more sets you have? I was like, I'll just one more. She's like, you can peel weight. And I'm like, no. She's like, well, aren't you supposed to have a spotter? And I was like, I mean, I should. And she was like, well, what are you gonna do? I was like, well, I don't put clips on it. So worst case that I slowly lowered on my chest and then I, and then I yell you over <laughs> and you help me slide these off. But like, that's like the process in my head of just going, okay, what's the worst that can happen here? Really like nothing too crazy. You know what I mean? Like there's obviously, I'm not telling people to go get hurt, but push yourself. God damn it. Like you got to learn, you know, and that's, that's how you understand these, these techniques. There's something incredibly fun about going to failure as well. And like having in your head when you, when you start on an exercise, like just using the bench press as an example, I can just think in that you've X amount of weight is going to be right. That's it. Like that's it finished. And you get one or two reps and you're like, Oh, just go on, stick another plate on each side. You get that. And then it's when it's kind of like you're turning a bit purple and your spot, you're kind of like looking at the spot, you're going like, oh, yeah. but it yeah. gives you something to work towards again. And you mentioned it there. You mentioned two things actually I was going to bring up. And one of them is that training needs to be fun first and foremost, because not fun. You're not going to go back. It's that simple. And the second one is that the kind of the big reason why I follow your stuff so closely is you're incredibly evidence and science-based, but not to a point where it's all you do. Like, drop sets there are a phenomenal way of kind of showing this because there isn't a huge amount of science to back up the fact that drop sets are particularly good especially from like a hypertrophy point of view like they're not the best thing in the world but god damn it drop sets at the end of a session are fun at the end of the day they're just enjoyable so that kind of brings me i know you're a big fan of conjugate and i don't mean that in like it's not for anyone listening who hears conjugate and immediately thinks of west side barbell like Westside has their style of conjugate, but it's not just Westside conjugate. But like when you're programming, do you find that to be, I suppose, the best or, or most enjoyable way of programming? Or do you just purely base it off like what people's goals are, what their needs are, who you're working with? Because I know you work with like some some properly heavy hitters who are just, they must be just a joy to program for. That's a blast. Yeah, there's uh, there's like, honestly, the WWE guys are, are, they're just so fun to work yeah. with because they're just as obsessed with training as I am. So it's like, you know, all hands on deck, you know, it's, it's a blast. And, and the women have been really cool too, because I think there's a stigma there. I mean, for a lot of females who have to present themselves in one pieces or two pieces on stage and TV, like there's this get skinny idea. Right. And, and it's been cool for me to kind of step in and be like, Hey, like let's lift some heavy shit and eat more food. Yeah. You know, don't worry about scale. And I've actually seen the scale go up and we compare and it's like, you're looking better and better and better and you feel better and you're eating more food and you, and it's like, that's what this is about. So they're, they're really fun to work with. Um, but no, I think uh, it's funny cause you know, I stopped saying conjugate as much recently because I realized, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of one of those things where like, I, I went back to my like conjugate roots. Cause I, like, I was around that a lot in the dungeon, like gym I started yeah. in. And there was a lot of principles from that five, three, one, um, some different like old school programming concepts that 
um, from Christian Thibodeau, even some from like Polycoin and shit that it just like I did a lot of. And I went back and took some of that stuff, but I don't think it does it justice calling it conjugate because the person I'm working with is not powerlifting. So I stopped calling it that because realistically, there's some some big principles I take from conjugate, but there's also still some principles I take from functional strength training and bodybuilding that are in there. Um, I use concurrent training in DUP as well, which kind of is the same thing as conjugate in a sense, right? Conjugate method. If I think about like, okay, like what are the like two to three main concepts of conjugate that you, that people are recognized from, from them, from a programming perspective, it's going to be constant variation, right? You're changing the variation of the compound lift almost every week, if not every week. Um, the dynamic and max effort method, right? Having both. But if you look at most powerlifters, juggernaut, if you look at um, Westside, obviously RP, if you look at DUP, all these people that are just like, just training people that maybe they don't have a method, but they're well-known coaches in the powerlifting space. They all do that. They all do speed work. They all do hybrid speed work. They all, you know, so it's, it's not just conjugate that did it. I think they popularized the organization of it. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and yeah, I think that like, that is really what like in the concurrent idea of it, like there's different modalities and they even do aerobic stuff. If you really look at it, it's just that they're pulling a sled for two miles instead walking, you know what I mean? Like around track with sled. Yeah. It's aerobic conditioning. It's just different. So um, it's more of like, to me, like when I look at it, it's like now I would, if I had to like kind of coin it as something, I, I call it performance bodybuilding for the most part, but it's, it's really, it's a concurrent model of strength, like powerlifting, strength training and bodybuilding really. And with a little bit of aerobic work in there. So um I tend to go like this. The more advanced the individual is, the more frequently I cycle those compound lifts in and out. The reason being is because the more advanced they are, the better they are at the movement. And the more they are loading that movement, which means the injury risk goes higher, the more repetition you have. If I have a beginner and we're trying to get stronger, you're back squatting every week for the next 12 weeks. Yeah. And we're going to do a linear periodization because it's just simple and it works. And not only do you have so much room to grow, but you have room for skill acquisition improvement. So just doing the barbell squat repetitively, you're not going heavy enough to hurt yourself yet. And you still have a lot of skill in that movement pattern, right? Versus the loading parameters. Whereas somebody who's back squatted a million times, like we could do a three week cycle on the back squat, which is fairly quick for a compound lift progression. But week one, you're already pushing close to failure because you know how to do that, right? You know how to get to that point really quickly since you've done it so many times. Um, so that's the thing too, is like in bodybuilding, you would keep the same movement for months because slow, steady progression in the higher rep range is the key to progressive overload and muscle growth. But on the West side power lifter thing, it's, it's weekly because injury risk, they're lifting so heavy. They know yeah. the movement so well. So it's like, okay, well, what's in between this for me, it's been like three weeks. So if, if we have a three week cycle, I know I'm doing a few things. One, I'm reintroducing new lists to avoid injury. Two, I'm still giving you enough time to progress, right? We might start with like a really good range I like to do is like instead of five, three, one, it's going to be seven, five, three, because we're still close to the hypertrophy range. And I'm not taking somebody to the brink of one rep max when they don't need to compete in powerlifting and yeah. I don't want to risk injury, right? So seven, five, three works really well, but that's the easy progression. Week one, sevens, you're not going to like crush yourself, but you're going to get used to it. Fives, okay, now we're starting. We'll go heavy. All right, find a three rep max. Then we're going to switch to a front squat next next cycle. Then it's going to be a box squat. Then it's going to be a zerch squat. Oh, guess what? We're reintroducing the back squat, right? And we can just cycle through these. With the accessory work, it's the same thing. If I give you a dumbbell reverse lunge 
beyond three weeks, man, you're not going to be adding that much weight to it because you're an advanced lifty. You know what I mean? It's, it, yeah. it takes, you can only do so much. So, and this eliminates boredom completely, right? Every three weeks, it's a new program. So I'm cycling variations, keeping the movement patterns, keeping the progression steady and the motivation to train is always high. And that to me has been what I've taken from conjugate was actually like more variation. Cause prior to that, it would be like four to six weeks from me. Cause based on science, that's what I thought was best for progressive overload. But with experience and more of the conjugate influence, I kind of leaned on that. And then the other side of it is that concurrent method I took from it. And that's where it's like, you know, most of my people, if I had a power lifter, I wouldn't do this. You know, I would do some speed work, but it wouldn't be as concurrent because they have one main goal. I want to bench squat and deadlift more and more and more until the day I die. Like that's yeah. all I care about. Other people I work with 90% or more want to look good first. Don't want to lose strength. So they actually still want, they still care about being strong because it feels good. And they want that effort and they want to live a long life. They want to be healthy. They want to perform. Like if their kid wants to go shoot hoops or do whatever, or like for these wrestlers, they still got to be in the ring for hours. Right. And they got to do two days cause they got to practice in the ring. Then they got to do this. And um, with COVID it's been crazy because they'll have to film. Like, I don't know if they open the arenas up yet, but they have to film instead of being live. So it's like, all right, we're doing four nights worth of matches in two days. And it's like, okay, like come back on set. It's a new day. You know, it's like, damn, this is a lot. So what do we do there? It's like, well, we have a couple of days where we're doing, this is where I, I kind of tweaked the, um, this is probably my most popular program in the membership. And what I've done with performance bodybuilding is this five day split. Monday, Tuesday is going to be a max effort day for upper lower. And we actually combine speed work and power strength. So we might start with speed bench for just like four sets of two to three, 65% of one rep max. Whereas conjugate might go six to eight sets, still more volume on it, but we're still doing some speed work, getting the CNS prime. We're doing the power development. Then we go right into heavy bench, same exact movement pattern. Our CNS is primed for that movement pattern. Now we're going to go heavy for three, five or seven. Right. And then we just finish with accessory work and uh, isolation of, of lower reps, six to eight rep range. Right. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday is aerobic conditioning. We're doing 30 to 60 minutes of mixed modal aerobic training. So I'm not saying go walk on a treadmill for 40 minutes. I'm saying you're going to do um, every minute on the minute for 30 minutes and it's 30 seconds of work. So rower, 30 on, 30 off. Salt bike, 30 on, 30 off. Run, 30 on, 30 off. Kettlebell swings, 30 on, 30 off. Sled. And we're just cycling through a bunch of exercises, yeah. 30, 40 minutes, just nonstop. Keep yourself at a 70 to 80% pace. You should finish feeling good, not completely drained, but it's work, right? And then Thursday, Friday, Saturday, we're going push, pull, legs. It's straight bodybuilding, right? We're doing functional work because a lot of these guys train in these dope garage gyms where it's a lot more free weights and stuff, but it's push, pull, legs, right? Bodybuilding. So now we have this strength, power development, a couple of days, aerobic conditioning to keep them performing in health and recovery. And then we have bodybuilding to put on muscle. And it's been a perfect blend. One of my WWE guys is the first person I tested it on. And I said, I was like, Yo, I want to test this split. On you. <laughs> I've never done, I've done an upper lower push ball legs, but it's always been strictly bodybuilding, right? Yeah. I've never done something like this where I'm mixing, you know, aerobic and power and strength and, and bodybuilding. Like, but I think it's going to be really dope, man. And he, he fucking loved it. He's been getting amazing results with it. Then I started using it with another person there. Um, I have a bunch of people doing the, the membership. So that's been a really fun thing, but to kind of summarize and answer the question, I think really like, I think I took a lot from conjugate. I also took a lot from Joe DeFranco's spin on conjugate. He did uh, West side for skinny bastards that kind of opened my eyes up to like, 
oh shit, I can use this for hypertrophy, right? Like this is a dope program. And I ran it and it was great. I remember, so like taking things from conjugate, taking things from Joe DeFranco. Um, I've grown close with John Russin and he has like a really big emphasis on pain-free performance, right? Like taking a lot from the work I've done with him and, and learned from him. Christian Thibodeau has been somebody that I've always worked with, learned from, and I've been, uh, had the pleasure of meeting and talking to and consulting with many times, taking a ton away from him. So some of these old school guys, and then also looking at like Eric Helms and Eric Trexler and Mike Zordos and Greg Knuckles and these people that are science, 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 latest research, right? And like you said, how do I take all these programming tips, advice, what has worked and hasn't been studied, what has been studied and I haven't tried yet. And then also what I know is just fucking fun put it together. And it's, it, it's been, I'm yet to the performance bodybuilding is like the, what, what I call it, but I'm yet to like coin a method quite yet, I would say uh, for myself. But I think like, that's kind of where I'm steering towards the boom, boom method coming soon folks. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, we've only got about five minutes left. This has been legitimately one of my favorite chats I've ever had, uh, both on this podcast and just in fitness in general. And the last thing, like there's many things I want to talk to you about, but for the last couple of minutes, I've obviously, I've mentioned the Taylor coaching method. You are the CEO. You've got a chief science officer. You've got a slew of brilliant coaches working for you. How is that change been going from a coach to a CEO of coaches? It's been a, at first it was a weird transition for sure. It's kind of like one of those things where, you know, you don't really want to let go, you know? So yeah. I, I, I've gone through waves and this is actually really good advice for anybody who experiences this or is going to experience this classic business advice would say that, you know, as your business grows and you hire people on, you do less of what you're doing right now and you just kind of run the show. Right. So like technically I would stop coaching. I would be the face and I would just make sure the business runs. Right. But I also realized that I am what pushes the brand forward. It's, it's, there's something and this sounds, uh, sounds weird saying about myself, but I've recognized this through other people saying this to me, there's something different and kind of special that goes on in my head when it comes to content, communication, coaching, interacting with people, developing new ideas for training and nutrition and systems to help clients and things like that, that, I think when I started to follow that old school business mentality and advice, I actually got away from that and it, and it hurt us. Like we didn't slow down, but not long ago, I had a huge light bulb moment of like, man, this is not my one thing. Like, like I've always trained people. I never let go of everybody, but I dropped a lot of clients. I don't work with as many people as I used to still because I can't, but I was like, I don't want to give that up. And I, and I want to push this harder and I want to coach people. I want to, I want to take over the WWE, man. Like I'm coaching more and more people. <laughs> eight people in there now it's like let's go like I'm, you know what i mean so why would i stop doing those things when i know that actually propels the business forward when i can hire out other people so to me it was like i'm gonna delegate as much shit as i can so i mean from everything like billing admin process i don't touch any of that i don't even get notified i don't i just see what the business made at the end of the day and that's all i give shit about right if somebody needs a refund somebody gets all that stuff go elsewhere i don't even want it on my mind because it distracts me from my one thing um editing videos, editing podcasts, creating art, like things like that. I don't want to do any of that. Hired somebody else. They do all of that. I just get in front of the camera and coach. I write the caption. I, I like, that's what I know. And then I know how to engage with people because I know how to coach people through their questions. Right. 
Um, I have a COO now, chief operating officer, like leads, systems, payroll, um, outreach. So getting me on other podcasts, creating PR, client appreciation, like reminding me to do certain things, like all that, right? So like, obviously that's not something I could do at first because you have to pay those people. But it was kind of one of those things where I was like, okay, I can do all this and keep more money in my pocket or I could just pay other people to do it because they're probably better than me at it anyway. And then I could do just way more of what I love. And I think long-term it's going to lead to what I want. So in short, I think I kind of ignored the advice of going like super CEO. Right. And I was like, let me just be like a coach. You know what I mean? And, and obviously I still am the CEO. So there's certain things that like I have to make the decision on and there's quite a few things I would make the decision on, but I'd much rather just make the decision and let somebody else integrate it or implement it or do it and trust these people to do the work than having to do it step by step. Um, and I think that's like the best advice I can give to any business owner is to, you know, for me, I had to have somebody pointed out to me too. And they really guided me through this, the mentor. And they're like, you know, like, what are, what are you really good at it, man? Like, what is your thing? Like, what do you love? And, and it actually took journaling every day, simple things like, like, what am I excited for today? Right. What am I looking forward to today? And then at the end of the day, like, when was I at my best? Like I literally write this every day, three things before I go to bed. What, when was I at my best? And then the other question is at what point did you feel unrested? So like anxious, stressed. And so seeing that it's like, damn, I realized that this time of day or these tasks or when these things go wrong, that really fucks with me. Yeah. So how can I put somebody in place to where when that happens, I just don't even know about it. I just don't. So like at the end of the month, Brittany's like, oh yeah, this is what happened this month. Like, <laughs> cool. So X, Y, Z would have gave me anxiety, but you handled it before I even realized it happened. Yeah. And we're all good. You know, obviously there's times where like, if, if they need to bring me in and it's like, Cody, you got to be aware of this, then cool. But I'd rather empower other people, man. So I stick to, to what I know well. And it's, it's honestly, it's, it's creating content. It's coaching, training and nutrition. And then it's shit like this. It's talking to other people in, in, this is how you build the, the brand and the movement and yeah. create reach, right? It's, it's, it's spreading. So um, it's gone through waves, man. It's, it was a weird transition at first. I think I had a hard time accepting it, but now I look back at it and I'm like, it's because I was trying to accept something that I shouldn't have been even accepting. Yeah. Like it's stepping out of my one thing. And that's the most important thing. Dude, it's been an absolute, absolute pleasure talking to you. You've been an absolute gent and I'm delighted we managed to get you on uh, very quickly before this all wraps up. If people want to find you, they want to uh, get to know more about you. They want to look up the Taylor trainer app or the Taylor coaching method. Where can people, uh, where can people find you? Yeah. So uh, thank you, man. I appreciate it. It's been a really dope conversation. A lot of great questions uh, on the, uh, say you did your homework because it's always great when I get on a podcast and they're like, they ask me all the questions I love to just, just bullshit on. So thank you, man. Um, so everything is at tailoredcoachingmethod.com. You can go there and that's where all of our free content is. Uh, that is, we're going to be making some updates. So I don't know when this airs, but we're going to be putting out some like really, really cool free guides. I mean, like really deep, like we're actually, this sounds crazy, but we're actually removing all of our paid eBooks and we're not going to sell eBooks anymore. And we're just Jesus. creating really dope free guides. So some of them are actually developed from eBooks that were a hundred bucks at one point per, per copy. Um, and I'd be lying if I said there wasn't a, a, a methodical reason for that, but also it's just a really cool way for me to give away some cool shit, you know? Um, but everything's there. You can like find the podcast, all that stuff there too. The podcast is the tailored life podcast. And then my Instagram where I put most of my content time at is uh, Cody McBroom, just at Cody McBroom. Well, it's been an absolute pleasure again, Cody, having you on folks. 
Again, another amazing interview in the books. It's been a pleasure having you listen to us as always. I've been your host, Sean Ryan, with again, my wonderful host or my wonderful guest, even Mr. Cody McBroom. It's been a pleasure, folks. We'll chat to you again soon.